0: There are actually a number of instances recorded in the Bible of children passing away. And there is extreme grief associated with the death of these children. The Egyptians, for example, grieved the death of their firstborn children during the Ten Plagues. The parents of the children of Bethlehem were martyred for the sake of Christ were in deep grief and sorrow. And David grieved over the death of his son, Absalom. And in the book of Samuel, it says, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would I have died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. It's a heartbreaking sentiment. There's a story I wanted to share with you about a missionary who lived in the 19th century, and he was away on ministry, And he learned that his son had come down with a very serious illness. And so he traveled all night to get back to his home so that he could be with his son as quickly as possible. And he wrote a letter to his brother. I'm going to read to you part of the letter. He said, we used prompt measures and sent early for the doctor who did not think his case was dangerous. But he grew gradually worse until Sunday when his symptoms became alarming and he passed away after great sufferings. Monday, a half hour before he died, he sank into a sleep which became more and more quiet until he gently sighed his soul away. This is the first death we had in our family and my first experience of any great sorrow. I've learned rapidly in the school of anguish this week and am many years older than I was a few days ago. It was not so much that I could not give my darling up, but that I saw him suffer such pangs, and then fall under the grasp of the cruel destroyer while I was impotent for his help. Oh, when the mighty wings of the angel of death nestle over your heart's treasures and his black shadow broods over your home, it shakes the heart with a shuddering terror and a horror of great darkness. To see my dear little one ravaged, crushed, destroyed, turning his beautiful liquid eyes to me and his weeping mother for help, after his gentle voice could no longer be heard, and to feel myself as helpless to give any aid This tears my heart with anguish. Some of us uh, know this type of anguish. We may have lost a child or a loved one or a friend. All of us know somebody who has passed away. And the question we ask is, does God provide any comfort for grieving people? And is there any hope for us beyond the grave? Saint Luke, Answers these questions when he tells us what our Lord Jesus Christ did for this grieving mother, the widow and Nane. We learn about our Lord Jesus Christ's compassion, his power over death, and we see the response that he inspires with the people. As our Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples were traveling and there was a crowd with him, they enter the gate of the city and they see a procession, a funeral procession. And in the front of the procession was the mother. She's standing there, no husband beside her, no other children beside her. You can imagine her grief was intense. And also there's a little bit of irony, because that day there are lots of people around her. There are people behind her, there are people grieving with her. But you know the next day and the next week and the next months, she's going to be alone. There'll be nobody by her side. So the widow that our Lord Jesus Christ encountered today was full with overwhelming grief. She was on her way to bury essentially a part of herself that day. But she didn't know that our Lord Jesus Christ was going to intervene in a very dramatic way. We see the compassion of Christ in a very, very clear way. St. Luke says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Do not weep. His great love drew him to the woman in sympathy. And he took the initiative to reach out to the widow in the middle of her loss and in the middle of her pain. And he said there, don't weep. He's not telling her don't weep like to suppress her emotions or sometimes, you know, when we're around somebody who's grieving and we're uncomfortable and we say, okay, don't cry because we don't know what to say. We don't know how to feel. We don't know what the right thing to do is. We tell them not to cry so that we don't feel bad ourselves. This is not what our Lord Jesus Christ is saying. He's expressing a heartfelt caring for her. And he includes this encounter, St. Luke includes this encounter in in the Gospel, because he wants us to understand that our Lord Jesus Christ still cares for each one of us in our pains and in our sufferings today. The same Christ who had compassion on the widow of Nain reaches out to us also in our pain and our suffering and in our sorrow. Isaiah the prophet says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So the compassion our Lord Jesus Christ had on the widow is still available to every suffering and anguished soul even today. The important part also to understand is that Christ having compassion compels him to do what? Compels him to action. Compels him to do something. Compassion isn't just feeling bad for somebody. You should be willing to do something. We're willing to do what we're able. Our Lord Jesus Christ is able to raise the dead, and this is what He did. Maybe we're not able to raise the dead son as our Lord Jesus Christ did, but we're able to pray. We're able to pick up groceries. We're able to clean a house, watch kids, lend an ear. Lots of things we can do for people besides just feeling sorry while they're experiencing grief. So besides the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ, we also see His power. St. Luke said that Jesus came and touched the coffin and the the bearers, the people holding the coffin, stood still. This is not something that was typically done. You know that the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament will tell us that if you touch a dead body or something that is touching a dead body, you're unclean. You're going to go, I think, seven days being unclean until you wash yourself and become ceremonially clean again. But our Lord Jesus Christ, as God incarnate, is not contaminated or corrupted by death. But you can imagine the people around is like, what is he doing? Why is he touching the coffin? But of course he knew what he was doing. He is the author of life, encountering this procession of death. He is the creator of the entire universe, confronting the destroyer of human life. Here was our Lord Jesus Christ filled with compassion, stopping this procession that was the, human, the expression of human sin. And when he spoke, he simply said, young man, I say to you, arise. And you can only imagine what the people around him would have thought. What is he saying? Why is he saying that? There are two important things to see in his command and in what he does to raise the son. First, if you look at it, when our Lord Jesus Christ performed other miracles, sometimes he would have them do things. Like, for example, he would tell the blind man, you know, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Or remember when he put the clay together and put it on his eyes. But when our Lord Jesus Christ raised the dead, here with Lazarus, with the son of Jairus, or the daughter of Jairus, excuse me, He did it simply by his word. Just by one word from his mouth, and they rose. He wanted everyone to see that the power of resurrection lies with him, that he is God. Second thing to notice, when he calls to the son, when he calls to the dead boy, the boy hears him. The young man was dead in the body but he was fully alive somewhere. For us humans, death is only death of the body. The human spirit lives on. We tend to think of ourselves as bodies that have souls. Bodies that just happen to have souls. But in fact, we are souls that just happen to have bodies. The point is that the real us, is not our bodies, but our souls. Our bodies can die. Our bodies can get weak. Our bodies can get old. But our souls never die. By raising the young man to life, our Lord Jesus Christ was pointing to his own death and his own future resurrection. Not only his, but ours. Our Lord Jesus Christ came to destroy death to give us new life, to give us hope in him. And this miracle shows us that he has power over death. A few years later after this encounter our Lord Jesus Christ is crucified. He died and he was buried and 3 days later he rose. And now that he himself has risen from the dead, he has power to grant eternal life to anyone who believes and calls upon his name. His resurrection is the promise and the proof of our own resurrection. Finally, we look at that, the response of the people. There are two responses. First thing is they worshipped. St. Luke says that fear seized them all and they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. 500 years before that, the prophet Elijah went to a small town just as our Lord Jesus Christ went to Nain and he met a widow at the gate of the town just like our Lord Jesus Christ did. And the widow had an only son who had become ill same as the widow of Nain. And Elijah took the boy from the the widow, prayed to God for him to return to life. And God heard Elijah's prayer and raised the son, and he came back to life. So it's understandable that the people thought a great prophet came. Somebody like Elijah had risen up among them. And so they worshiped God for doing something new, something great in their own days. The second response of the people is that of witness. St. Luke says that this report about Jesus spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding region. We, of course, know that Jesus is God in human form. We know that there is salvation in nobody else. We should glorify God for the compassion of Christ, especially for His power over death. When you think about the attributes of God What does God have to be to be God? He has to be all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent He does not have to be compassionate But God is compassionate And He proves and shows His compassion For His creation in this story today Let me come back to that missionary that I read you about That his son had passed away After talking about his anguish And expressing that to his brother in his letter, he continues, and he writes, Our parting is not for long. This spoiled and ruined body will be raised, and all its ravished beauties more than repaired. Our little boy, we hope and trust, is now a saved spirit. This is a hope inexpressible and full of glory. As I stand by the little grave and think of the poor ruined clay within, that was a few days ago so beautiful, my heart bleeds. But as I ask, where is the soul whose beams... Gave that clay all its beauty and preciousness. I triumph. Has it not already begun with an infant voice the praises of my Savior? He is in Christ's heavenly house under his guardian of love. Now I feel as never before the blessedness of the redeeming grace and divine blood which have ransomed my poor son from all the sin and death he inherited through me. This is the hope of all of us as Christians. Through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness of sins. Through the resurrection of Christ, we have hope of eternal life. His compassion and power over death gives us hope. It doesn't take away all of our tears, at least not yet, but it gives us power and hope for the future. The day is coming when our Lord Jesus Christ is going to say to all who are dead, Arise! And they will say to them, All of them will come who believe and He will say to them, do not weep and everything will be well and glory be to our God forever and ever. Amen.